You know, we've been praising our Lord Jesus this morning, haven't we? He is the one who keeps us going, isn't he? We don't look to world politicians or what people say. We look to the Lord, the only one who knows the way forward. And we thank him for it. So I want to start out by reading some of the last words that Jesus said. And I'm looking at Matthew's gospel. I'm so glad I don't have to hold something. I can move around. I'm looking at Matthew's gospel, 28. And I'm just going to do that. The women went to the grave. Jesus had raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead. And these, I'm reading from the Living Bible. And the women, and Jesus said to the women, good morning. <laughs> Can you imagine what they said? And they fell on the ground before him, holding his feet and worshiping him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be frightened. Go tell my brothers to leave at once for Galilee to meet me there. Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had said they would find him. There they met him and worshipped him. But some of them weren't sure it was really Jesus. He told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, that I am with you always, even until the end of the world. What a promise from our Lord and Savior. What a promise. And you picked out there, title of my sermon this morning is Disciple. Disciple. Now, what is a disciple? In the time of Jesus, a disciple, at that time, there were many of them. They were called rabbis. Now, the rabbis aren't like they are today that stay in a Jewish synagogue and teach there. Rabbis in those days moved around the country teaching people. And they had disciples that followed them. They followed them. They learned from them. They were devoted to them, and they served the great teacher. And, of course, now you can see Jesus is called a rabbi in Scripture because that's what he did. And he had people following him, receiving teaching from him, and serving him. But there was one big difference from those disciples and the other disciples. And we get that difference in Peter. From Peter in John 6 69. This is what he says. This is what Peter says. We have come to believe and know that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's how they differed. And no one can be a disciple of Jesus if you don't believe that. That's essential for having been called a disciple. Now, I want us to consider a couple of differences here. What is the difference between a follower of Jesus and a disciple of Jesus? There is a difference. I just want to point out a couple. I'll give you a practical example. I am a follower, sometime, part-time, 
of the San Francisco 49ers. Anybody know who the San Francisco 49ers are? American football team. And I follow them, usually late at night, during the fall. I get it on television. I don't get Sky News, Sky Television, Sky Sports, because I don't look at any sports. But there's a little program, Sky Mix, Sky Sports Mix, which is free. And from about 6 o'clock on a Sunday evening until 1 o'clock in the morning, I can watch football. Now, I like to watch it then because you don't see the whole game. You just see the highlights. And they switch from one game to another. You can see four games at once. The commentary is telling you what's going on. Now, of course, I understand what's going on. I played some football in America. Not very well. But I like to watch the San Francisco 49ers. I'm sure there are people here who like to watch English football teams and rugby. Are they called football? No, it's not football. What is it? Football rugby. Whatever it is. You like to watch it. And I'm sure sometimes you get excited. You British people sometimes can get excited. Not like us Americans, but you sometimes get excited. When your team scores a goal, you would have thought it was the greatest. What I've never understood about this game is that you score one goal and you think that's good. I mean, in America, if you score one, one point in a football match, you've done pretty poorly. But one goal. But I understand they kick the ball up and down the field, have a lot of fun, make a lot of money while they're doing it. Never mind. <laughs> we may be followers of football teams, but are we members of the team? Some of you might be, but most of us are not members of the team. I remember when I was in high school, I was a member in training of the, you won't believe it, Borden High School basketball team. And I tell you, they disimp- I still remember running up and down wind sprints. You used to go up and down, up and down, up and down. And I wanted myself, why on earth am I suffering this pain of discipline to be on this team? Especially every match, every match, I sat on the bench. <laughs> Not one match did I play. And I figured, why on earth did I put up with that? Uh, there could be a lot of reasons. Could be I was trying to impress my girlfriend. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> some people are part-time followers of Jesus. As long as there's plenty of excitement, plenty healings taking place, Plenty miracles taking place. There are followers of Jesus. But when the appearance of the supernatural events are not seen, sometimes their enthusiasm and commitment wanes. Or when things get difficult, many of people will turn away. Some of the followers of Jesus did. In John 6, 66, it says with that people, some of them, turned away. I don't believe, I mean, these Christians in Ukraine, you can't get much difficult times than that. I believe they're disciples of Jesus. 
because they're clinging on. That's where their source of strength is coming. Now, unlike my basketball coach, our coach, the Lord God, doesn't require us to work so hard to be a member of his team. So many Christians wear themselves out working so hard, striving so hard to do God's work. And what he really wants is for us to rely on his Holy Spirit. Because that's where the enduring power to be one of his disciples is going to come from. It's not going to come from being, working yourself to death. I mean, I've tried it in the past. I've been a Christian for 50 years now, so I've had a lot of experiences that I wish you don't have to experience. But working it up yourself and working hard and working hard and you get excited and all this, and then you come down and what have you done? What have you accomplished for Jesus? But his Holy Spirit is the one who guides us. We need to rely on his Holy Spirit. And one thing I can tell you for sure, unlike my basketball coach, he is not going to leave you on the bench. Every one of his disciples is used by him for his good purposes if we choose to let him, if we choose to be on the team and be a working member of this team. He doesn't force us to, but that's what his desire is. Becoming a disciple of Jesus, a member of his team, is a process, a process. Is that what you say over here? Process. Process. It's not instant. And I think many people, when they become a Christian, they get so excited, maybe go to a camp somewhere, get so excited, very high emotionally, really high expense, and they think everything's going to be instant. And then when something goes wrong, they think, this is no good. This is no good. I'm, I don't want this. It's, things are getting difficult. We all start out as learners. And to re, we need to renew our way of thinking. Put away the world's thinking, the way the world does. And as Paul, Apostle Paul says in Romans 12, we need to renew our minds daily. And we need to always be learning Never think you've got it all because we're not God. And he will reveal secrets and things to us in years to come that he's not showing us now because now we couldn't handle it. But he knows what's best. So never think you've arrived. So what did Jesus say to his disciples? In Matthew 6, 24, he says this. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. What are they going to find? Anybody know? What are they going to find? Abundant life. I can't, got to get that in. John 10.10. 10. Abundant life. He promises it to us. The real thing. A purposeful life. So take on our cross daily is not easy. It means absolute surrender to Jesus and his will. So I think if we're going to consider living this kind of life, as I said, it's a choice. 
Let's look at a few steps the early disciples took. Number one, they spent time with Jesus. They walked where he walked. They got to know him. They put aside their way of living and followed Jesus and developed a relationship with Jesus. It wasn't a casual Sunday morning walk with Jesus and then went to Monday back to the old ways. It was a daily walk. And they did it for three years while Jesus was alive. So you may ask the question, how can we spend time with Jesus? He's in heaven. Good question, isn't it? We believe he's in heaven. Well, this morning I was reading Psalm 27, verse 8. I just want to read it to you. And this is Jesus talking to us as well. This is a psalmist, but this is what he says. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. Oh, my people. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. So if we ever desire to come and fellowship with Jesus, he will talk with us. I guarantee it. He will talk to us. How else can we know? The only way that I know to really come to know Jesus is to get into his word. Now, there's so many translations that my bookshelf is about to fall apart. I think I've got 20 translations on the shelf. Choose a translation that speaks to you. If you're not into King James language, don't be despaired. There's a new America. I mean, no. <laughs> a new American standard or the NIV or the one that spoke to me 50 years ago was the Living Bible. Okay. Choose a version of the Bible and start looking at the Gospels. Find out about Jesus. Don't start with Genesis to try to find out about Jesus. You'll find him in there, but it's a little bit more difficult. Go to the New Testament. These people walked with Jesus, and this is their testimony. They've written down. Before you read, though, ask him to speak to you. Put away aside everything. Lord Jesus, I've only got five minutes this morning, but I want these to be five minutes worth the time. Can you speak to me as I read your word? I promise you that if you come to Jesus with an attitude like that every day, he will speak to you. The Holy Spirit will bring scriptures alive. Another way to find out about Jesus is to fellowship with other believers who know Jesus. Listen to their testimonies, how Jesus has spoken to them. And then give your testimony. It may be just a little bit, but I'll promise you, if you start being really bold and honest, this is what Jesus has spoken to me this week. It could be just a small sentence that will give you confidence to share again and maybe share outside a Bible study group. I won't give you some experiences I've had with that because time's moving on. That, so that's the first. Spend time with Jesus. Now, 
The next very important word is to listen to what he says. Listen to this. This is a Proverbs 8, 32 to 36 in the New Century version of the Bible. This is what Proverbs says. I mean, the Holy Spirit speaks through the whole Bible. Listen to this. Now, my children, listen to me. Because those who follow my ways are happy. Listen to my teaching and you will be wise. Do not ignore it. Happy are those who listen to me. Watching at my door every day, waiting at my open doorway. Those who find me find life and the Lord will be pleased with them. Those who do not find me hurt themselves. Those who hate me love death. Now, there's a difference between hearing and listening. Hearing is you're perceiving a sound that comes to you from either something or someone. You may have selective hearing. Has anyone had selective hearing before? We get in trouble when we have selective hearing, especially if you're married, believe me. Um, <laughs> I want to give you an example. Oh, then the third thing is listening with the ear, hearing something and a thoughtful attention. Give thoughtful attention, a thoughtful attitude. I want to hear. I want to give you an example, and I have okayed this with Joan. Been married 49 years, so I don't think she's going to boot me out when I say this. When we were first married, aside from coming from two different countries, we often had disagreements. And Joan would get upset with me about something. Do you think that's possible? I don't know how it's possible. She, she used to get upset with me about something. And I would speak back the words. She would say difficult words to me, and I would speak back difficult words to her. And it got worse. Then the Lord said to me once, why don't you listen to what she's saying? <laughs> I remember going to a council when we were first married. We were really trying to make our marriage work. And so we went to a marriage counselor. And you know what he told me? Maynard, listen to your wife. Oh, boy, that was hard. But I did realize that it's important. It's important for me to listen to what she was saying to try to understand what she was really meaning. Because sometimes the words don't give the meaning. You want to see what's in her heart. And I got a little bit better with that. I'm not perfect, believe me, but I'm trying. Now, the difference between hearing and listening. I'll give you a couple of scriptures. And here again, it's good to look at different translations. These two words seem to be very uh, similar, but they're different. I'll give you two examples. In John 10, 27, in the New King James Version and uh, English Standard Version, it says this. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And then the New Living Bible and the New American Standard Bible and the New International Bible say this. Same scriptures. My sheep listen to my voice, 
and I know them, and they follow me. So both words are used there in the same verse. When you look at Revelation, the, first, the second and third chapter of Revelation, what we get is Jesus speaking to the seven churches at that time. And at the end of that time, at the end of those things, and he concludes with this. This is in the New International Version. It says, anyone who has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. If you look at the New Living Bible, it amplifies a bit. It says, anyone with ears must listen to the Spirit and understand what he's saying to the churches. Now, to me, that makes a little bit more sense. It extrapolates a little bit more. And I'll tell you something. God is a good listener as well. In Psalm 116, verse 1, he says, the psalmist says, I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy, because he bends down to listen. I will pray as long as I have breath. He hears and he listens to us. The question is, do we hear and listen to him? So often we're so busy telling him what we want, we never stop to listen to him. Sometimes I felt God say to me, are you finished yet? (laughs) Right. What Jesus wants is disciples, not just followers. I want us to read that bit again and listen again to this Matthew 28, 16. See what he says to his disciples. He told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments. So we've listened to, we looked at being time with Jesus, listening to Jesus. Now the last little bit, teach these disciples to obey everything he'd said. And obedience is difficult, isn't it? Why is it so hard? Probably the most difficult part of it is our pride. We have this feeling inside, we know what's best. You know, I think that's part of our discussions that Joan and I had when we were early married. I knew what was best, and she knew what was best. And best plus best equals disaster. Only God knows what's best. Okay. So it's our pride. Also, Satan encouraged us not to obey. Remember the tactics he used in the Garden of Eden when he spoke to Eve, not to obey Jesus. And remember even when Jesus was in the wilderness after he was baptized, Satan was trying to get him not to obey. We're not forced to obey Jesus. As I said, it's a choice. Of course, our friends and relatives can cause us difficulty in obedience as well. Especially when you feel God tells you to leave America and go to England to live. My parents weren't 100% friendly with that, happy with that decision. But that's what God called me to do, so here I'm still here. Now listen to this. What I read the other day, I thought this was very good about obedience. 
Could obedience be as simple as relaxing from the religious struggle and trusting him to be who he is and to live his life in our daily life? That's what he's want. We're his body on the earth. He wants to live through us. And when we try to share the life we have to others, we use the scripture, but people also look at our lives. We can say loads of things. They can hear loads of things. Well, what are they listening? What do they see? What's going on in our lives? Are we truly disciples of Jesus? Are we doing what he's asked us to do? <clears throat> we have a lot of help, don't we? The Holy Spirit helps us. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16, he stays close to us at all times. In Romans 8, 26, he helps us in our weakness. In Galatians 5, he says, he guides us, he helps us to overcome the desires of the sinful nature. It's so important. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, that we spend time with him, that we listen to him, and that we do what he says. And he will give us the power to live the life that he wants us to live. He will do it. And I don't know where you are in your walk with Jesus. Everybody's different. Everybody's in a different stage. As I said, it's a process. But I do know one thing. If you want to know more, if you want some help in your walk with Jesus, can you see David or the ministry team? And we will make time to help you. We will help you. Because we know that's the only way we're going to survive in these last days. The only way we're going to be strong is through that relationship with Jesus. Now, one more thing I'm going to do. <clears throat> in one of my conversations with Jesus a few years ago, he spoke very clearly to me. And as I've said before, the only way I can remember things sometimes is to put it into song. So I'm going to try to close with the song. Listen to the words. Try not listen to my crackly voice. And I'm going to sing it like a prayer. <clears throat> and think about your spending time with Jesus. And this is what I was doing. This is what I called. This is how I prayed. And also how Jesus answered me. Draw me near to you. Cleanse me from within. Take away my guilt and shame. Forgive me of my sin. Let me hear your voice calling from above. Draw me near to you, O Lord. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your love. Sent from up above. Draw me near to you, O Lord. Fill me with your love. And this was his response. If you draw near to me, open your heart to me. Come with 
humility. This is what I say, I will draw near to you. I will abide with you. I will take care of you. Day after day, I will walk with you. I will talk with you. I will provide for you day after day. Folks, choose to be a disciple. It's the greatest choice you will ever make. I can vouch for it. I've stumbled, I've fell, but in the scripture it says a man may fall seven times, but God reaches out his hand to pick you up. And you know the difference between you holding God's hand and you, him holding your hand? If we hold God's hand, we can slip out of his grip. But if he holds our hand, he will not let us go. Hallelujah. Amen.